Thank you for tuning in to the RPC Sermon Series podcast. You're about to hear a live sermon, which was recorded at our 11 a.m. contemporary service. We are thrilled to share it with you. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you, Ben. Well, welcome to Roswell Presbyterian Church for this third Sunday of Advent. It's so good to see you as we celebrate um, the gifts of Advent. Our sermon series is titled, that Jesus offers us gifts in his advent 2,000 years ago, every day into our hearts, and eventually at the end of all things when Christ promises to turn everything right. First Sunday, we focused in on the, go- the gift of hope. Last week, we looked at the gift of peace. And I got to tell you, if you were here, um, there are a lot more Lambda Chi's than I had a- a- any idea. And, and I want to also tell you, that they've really raised my opinion of them because they're very nice and hopefully I didn't offend too many people. Um, But today we're going to look at uh, the prophecy from Isaiah 7. And we're focusing in on the gift of love. What does it mean that God loves us? How can it change us in our lives and ultimately our world? So let us look now at Isaiah 7, verses 10 through 16. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary mortals that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, The young woman is with child and shall bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey by the time he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land before whose two kings you are in dread will be deserted. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for this somewhat mysterious passage from Holy Scripture. God, we pray that you might be our teacher, that you by your spirit may speak a word that only you can speak. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing, your sight, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. Have you ever been stuck at home and, let's say, forced uh, to watch a television show you didn't really want to watch? This, this happened to me when we were on um, our parental leave. And Courtney and I were stuck at home, and she made me watch with her this reality TV show called Southern Charm. And Southern Charm is set in Charleston, South Carolina. It follows the, the loose group of friends, and it follows the, like, the basic kind of fundamental reality show structure. Right? They have some really funny characters, and basically they go out to trendy restaurants and drink too much. They go camping and they drink too much. They go to a polo match and drink too much. They date one another and break up with one another probably because they drink too much. And two of the characters are named Craig and Naomi and they were dating, living together. But they'd they'd kind of gone through some rough times in their relationship. And Craig in this one scene is sitting at a bar with some of his buddies and the topic of their relationship, Craig and Naomi's relationship comes up. And I need to tell you a little bit about Craig. So Craig's the kind of guy, for instance, that he lied about passing the bar exam for an entire year, okay? And when it was discovered that he hadn't passed the bar exam, he, 
he proclaimed his love for sewing and started a pillow cover company. Okay, he's a mess. I mean, this is what we're dealing with here. And, and so he's at the bar and he's with his buddies trying to describe, um, he's falling out of love with Naomi. And one of his buddies says, how do you know you're falling out of love? And he says, well, when I come home and I see her car in the driveway, I want to just keep driving by. So he no longer is in love because he doesn't want to be around her. He doesn't want to spend time with her. He doesn't want to be with her. And I believe one of the strongest features of love is the fact that you want to be with your beloved. You want to be with the person you love. And in Jesus Christ, God proves to us that he loves us because he wants to be with us. God wants to be with us. God with us in Jesus Christ. Since the very beginning of all time, God has wanted to be with us. Genesis 1.1 begins with the verse, in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth. And then it proceeds to go through in this first account of creation, the seven days of creation. On the first day, God says, let there be light. And there's light. And he says, it is good. On the second day, he creates the sky. And he says, it is good. On the third day, he creates. He says, it is good. On the, on the fourth day, he creates. He says, it is good. On the fifth and sixth day, he, he says, it is so good. And on the seventh day, he rests and he looks at all that he's created. And he says, it is good. Very good. Do you ever wonder when the first time in Scripture God says something is not good? Happens in Genesis 2. God has created the man or the, the human more accurately. And he gives him the Garden of Eden. And he says, you can tend and take care of the Garden of Eden. You can eat anything you want, just don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so the man tends the garden he names the animals. And the God looks down. He says, there's nobody on the same level as Adam. And then he says this. It is not good that man should be alone. It is not good that humans should be alone. We are created for relationship. Relationship with God and relationship with one another. God with us. God desires to be with us. This is the movement of love. God wants to be with his beloved creation and wants us to share that with one another. A little later in the story, Adam and Eve, they conspire together and they eat from the tree that God said they shouldn't have eaten from. And they realize that they're naked. And then one evening, God comes down, Genesis says, and he wants to walk with them. But they run and hide because they're scared. And God recognizes and realizes that they've done what they shouldn't have done. They've eaten from the tree. I think this is the movement of sin, really. In the Bible, if you trace the story, God will pursue human beings. And when they open themselves up to God, they're filled up with God's love because God wants to be with them. But as a consequence of sin, oftentimes we flee God. We want to be alone. We want to be turned in on ourselves. And God says, I want to be with you because I love you. In today's passage, we see this movement at work. God wants to be with his people, but King Ahaz does not want to be with God. Our passage is 
written about 700 years before the birth of Christ. An army from the north threatens the southern kingdom of Judah. King Ahaz and his subjects are terrified by this army that threatens them. And so Isaiah comes forward and he says, God will give you a sign. He says it, it could be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven, saying there's no limit on what the sign God can do. But Ahaz, King Ahaz, he gives this kind of, um, he's like religious answer. He says, oh, no, 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 I don't want to see a sign. I don't, I don't want to tempt God. But the fact of the matter actually is that he doesn't trust God. He's fearful of God. He wants to go his own way. He eventually leads the people of Israel into corrupt and pagan religious practices. He goes so far, in fact, to set up an altar to a pagan god in the Jewish temple. And then he even goes so far as to sacrifice his own son. You can read about it in 2 Kings 16. Ahaz does not want to be with God, but Isaiah says God has intervened and given him a child, a child of promise, whose name will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. Ahaz has forgotten that God wants to be with us, and he's turned and gone his own way. Why do we find it so hard often to believe that God wants to be with us or to open ourselves up to God's presence? For, for many of us, I think we're fearful that when God gets to really know us, will God really love us? Could God love me despite the reality of who I am? Or maybe, maybe some of us are afraid that when God is with us, God might challenge us into changing. Well, Isaiah has this great message for Ahaz. God wants to be with him, but Ahaz chooses his own direction. It's interesting that in the Gospel of Matthew in the New Testament, the writer Matthew turns to this passage when thinking about the birth of Jesus. He said, just as 700 years ago you had a child of promise who would be named Emmanuel, the sign that God wants to be with you, so too in Bethlehem, that's the message in the manger. He will be called Emmanuel, God with us. God is with us in Jesus Christ. That's the movement of God's love towards us. When you recognize that God knows you and God still wants to be with you, this can be a powerful message and make a powerful, transformative impact on your life. I heard the story of a, of a revered pastor that told, the, told of the transformative power of this kind of love. He said that one night he and his wife got in this terrible fight and they couldn't resolve it. So the next morning, he comes down the stairs to the kitchen, and for the first time in their married life, she was not in the kitchen making breakfast. She must have been out of the house, and over by the sugar bowl, he saw a note. So he goes over, and he reads the note, and here's what it said. Dear Charlie, I hate you. Love, Martha. <laughs> to, to know someone completely, to have somebody know you completely and for them to still love you, this is a powerful kind of love and this is the love we see in Jesus Christ. God wants to be with us for 2,000 years. This is the message of Advent. God has come in the world in Jesus Christ to be with us. 
The baby in the manger brings that message. So what difference does it make? There was a British essayist and novelist. Her name is Dorothy Sayers. She worked in the 20th century. She worked in Oxford, where she was part of a writing group called the Inklings. Other members of the group were C.S. Lewis, J.R. Tolkien, Charles Williams. Initially, they didn't want to let her into the group because she was a woman. But she was so impressive and such a talented writer that they had to let her in. She paid the way and supported herself and her husband through her writing. At one point, she wrote an essay called The Greatest Drama Ever Staged. And in it, she argues for the persuasiveness and the coherence of the Christian faith. And in one section, she focuses in on the incarnation, this reality that God became human in flesh in Jesus Christ. And she writes quite eloquently about it. She says, the incarnation means that for whatever reason God chose to let us fall, to suffer, to be subject to sorrows and death, he has nonetheless had the honesty and the courage to take his own medicine. He can exact nothing from man that he has not exacted from himself. He himself has gone through the whole of human experience, from the trivial irritations of family life and the cramping restrictions of hard work and lack of money, to the worst horrors of pain and humiliation, defeat, despair, and death. He was born in poverty and suffered infinite pain, all for us, and thought it well worth his while. God wanted to be with us in Jesus Christ. That's what the incarnation is about, that God wants to be with us, to not leave us alone. It is not good for humans to be alone. Jesus is the Emmanuel child, God with us. And if God is with us, then this is the great news that we are entrusted to share with others. Many of the ministries here at Roswell Presbyterian Church are trying to make that point. When we ask you to fill out the friendship registers on Sunday morning, it's not that we have like some NSA, CIA, like secret church attendance tracking system in the back. No, we, we want to know if you're not here, maybe you're sick. Maybe you're in despair. Maybe you're in trouble. Maybe you need to talk to somebody. We want to know if you're not here so we can reach out to let you know you are not alone. We are with you. God is with you. Every month, elders and pastors We'll go to members of our congregation who can't come to church and we'll serve them at-home communion. We go because they're infirm, they're elderly, sometimes lack of transportation. We go to them to let them know, God is with you. We have not forgotten you. It is not good for you to be alone. We are here for you. Ministries like the lay parish visitors, the Stephen ministers, the prayers and squares ministry, letting folks know we are with you. If you got up today, I bet there's some Sunday mornings you get up and you say, I really don't feel like going to church. But I want you to know, you don't always come to church for you. Sometimes you come here to be here for others, to let them know you are not alone. God is with us. We are here for you. We are here for one another. This is the point of our ministries, the point that God made. 2,000 years ago that is still a reality that God is for us and God is with us. This can be a transformative moment in your life when you recognize that you are beloved, that God is with you. Not too long after we had major, my parents were coming to visit. My mom called 
and I was trying to put the schedule together, and I said, well, what do you guys want to do when you're here? My mom says, Jeff, we just want to be with Major. I said, well, yeah, 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 but do you want to go to the aquarium? She said, no, we just want to be with our grandson. Oh, okay, but do you want to go to the zoo? She said, I, we just want to be with him. Do you want to go to the world of Coke? No, Jeff, we just want to be with him. Even if he has a dirty diaper? She said, yes, Jeff, even if he has a dirty diaper, we love him and we want to be with him. That's it. Friends, that's the message of Advent, the message of love, that God wants to be with us, that in Jesus Christ, God is with us, Emmanuel. This is one of the gifts of Advent, the gift of love, the love that awaits each one of us. And how can we know this? Because Isaiah knew it, Matthew knew it, and we can know it too. Child is Emmanuel, God with us. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you so much that in Jesus Christ, you're with us. We pray that we might let that reality fill our hearts, that we might let that love remind us that we are not alone, and then that love would pour over into the lives of others so they might know that they are beloved in you and they are also not alone. Lord, we thank you for this great church that gets to testify and witness to that great mystery and that great reality. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the RPC Sermon Series podcast. If you'd like more info about Roswell Presbyterian Church, check out our website at roswellpres.org.